When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. I had to fail, had to fall just for what I did. This is the final word. Australia West Indies Daily, day three of the GABA test. The second test between Australia and West Indies. Which Adam White has been a fascinating affair already. This is brought to you by Seabus Super. I'm Barasundaresan. And returning, returning star Adam White. And you know how this goes, Adam. 30 second summary, please. Okay, let's go. First of all, it was really hot. Really, really hot. High 30s, high humidity, so it was going to be a tough day for everybody today. The West Indies resumed at 1 for 13. The hope was that they would at least get 200 in front to make a game of it. That was what the hope was. I tell you what, there's more than hope there at one point before the West Indies lost 6 for 37 to almost stuff up what would have been a a really strong position in the game. In the end, they were 215 runs in front when Australia batted a second time. And uh, they're going okay. Two for 60 at Stumps Australia. Steve Smith, importantly, still there. Manus Labashain isn't. He's out. Cameron Green coughed and spluttered his way to Stumps, but he's still there as well. So Australia, in the end, what do they need? Another 156 to win. They're going okay. I'm going to crown you the Usman Khawaja of 30-second summaries. You, I said it yesterday. You do it so calmly, so casually. I'm like Steve Smith, Manus Labushain, and I guess Cam Green rolled in together each time I have to do it. So, so Uzi of the 30-second summary, you, you you nailed it. I think I thought West Indies did stuff up a great opportunity to uh, really push this game forward. Uh, and and I, I know we'll come to uh, the uh, first session and the second session, but what happened right after the dinner break, the start of the third session, in my opinion, they went from being a team who thought they had nothing to lose to suddenly becoming a team who went, oh, we might actually win this. 
how do we go about it? Oh, we don't know. And in that period, Josh Hazelwood bowled a dream spell. Nathan Lyon bowled beautifully. It bowled well throughout the day. Um, and they just lost their way, which meant that that target was 216 and not 260, which at one point we thought it would be. Because let's face it, for large parts of the day, Whitey, uh, Australia just didn't get on the roll, the kind of roll that we thought uh, they would with the ball. Yeah, well, certainly the West Indies didn't freeze under pressure because it was too hot to freeze. <laughs> um, but nice. that was a bit corny, wasn't it? But, but I think in the end, what happened was, Barat, that a little bit what you said, they kind of lost their way a little bit because they started to get careful. Um, they started to preserve what they had as opposed to try and build on what they had. And I think that in the end, what changed everything really was uh, Kovam Hodge was batting really well, mm. um, an unfortunate run out where he turned it on the onside, thought about going for a single, realising that Travis Head had the ball at bat pad, tried to get back, backhander from Travis Head onto the stumps, and Hodge trying to ground his bat, it actually bounced. Mm. And when actually the bales were dislodged, the bat was in the air. So it was a really unlucky dismissal and I kind of feel from that moment I'm not saying that there was like oh poor me sort of thing from the West Indies but it was a really strong partnership but they didn't look like getting out because the wicket really is very good to bat on particularly when the pink ball gets soft then from there they just lost their way they lost all momentum they weren't scoring freely even throughout the entire day if you look at the run rate today compared to other days today was a lot lower I mentioned about how hot it was and I think that did have an impact on everybody but I just felt the game didn't quite go forward as quickly as I thought it was going to so even though the West Indies had a lead of over 200 I felt that they really did mark up an opportunity. We had four West Indian batsmen in the end score between 29 and 41. So when they look back on what could have been, they only needed one, but hopefully two of those guys to get at least 60 or 70. And the lead would have been over 300 and Australia would have been in a really vulnerable position, but they just couldn't take that advantage. And the reality is, Barat, that's what inexperienced teams do. They don't quite know how to nail the advantage when they have it. And this morning when I woke up, yeah, I saw right about the inexperience of these teams coming through in crunch moments when they are in positions where they can force a win or force a, a position where from where they can go for the win. We saw it from Pakistan in Melbourne. We saw it from Pakistan in Sydney. And if anything, ever since uh, Australia kind of had it easy in a way in Perth after they made 400, the only time they made 400, uh, you saw in Melbourne they were 4 for 16 and then that dropped catch from Abdullah Shafiq, which will be spoken about for years and years to come, turned the game. In Sydney, they took the first innings lead and then still didn't do make the most of it in their third innings. In comparison to that, I thought the West Indies did pretty well. They started well. Like you said, it was all about seeing off what seven or eight overs this morning because that would have meant uh, 15 overs in their second innings. And that's about the time the ball begins to go soft, especially on this hot day. Australia decided they the best they can do is rotate their fast bowlers around in three over spells. And that's what they started doing from the very start. Craig Brathwaite, I thought, looked okay. He was beaten a couple of times. And then uh, the first wicket came from nowhere, uh, from Cameron Green, a full ball, uh, nothing short. At a, at a time when Kirk McKenzie was putting on a show at the other end, wasn't he? He was cover he was. driving everything. And I must say at that point what he was named after, or his middle names are Sanjay and Alex, after Sanjay Manjarekar and Alex Stewart. I don't remember, and you've seen a lot more cricket in Australia than I have live. I can't remember Sanjay Manjarekar or Alex Stewart driving the ball better than what Kirk McKenzie was. 
maybe Alex Stewart at times, but certainly not Sanjay <laughs> Mandraker. I, I, look, I was a bit frustrated, to be honest, with Kirk McKenzie from the point of view of we saw it in Adelaide and we saw it again here at the Gabba where we saw someone that was brave enough to take on the Australians by hitting down the ground. It was very difficult to do at Adelaide on a grassy pitch. This was a bit easier here at the Gabba. But on both occasions where McKenzie was in total control, he found a way to give up the control uh, back to Australia. And I think that's the thing that would really frustrate the West Indian coaches, that even when you look at um, Athenaise as well, another guy that was in total control, batting really nicely, and was just a soft out. And when you look back and you you sit down with the the two youngsters and you go, what happened there? I don't think they'd actually give an appropriate answer because I'm not sure they know themselves because it was just... They were both soft outs, and when you are in control, good teams stay in control. And I'm a big believer in cricket that it's all about moments. It's how you master the moments. And the inexperienced teams do tend to freeze under pressure. They'll drop a catch. Um, a, bowling, a bowler who knows that they're in control will start to try a little bit too hard, over-pitch a ball um, a little bit too much or bowl short, and then the opposition then gets back into the game as a result of that. And I think that is definitely what happened today with the West Indies. They would have been sitting in the dressing room or just out in front of us mm. and going, hey, heck, what's this? We could have a lead here of 300. Yeah. But how do we get 300? How do we make a lead go from 200 to 300 and ultimately as I said before they lost 6 for 37 and while they had a little bit of bad luck a lot of that was mismanagement and when they came out in that last session Barat they I mean at one point they, there were more wickets than runs there. Yeah. It was three wickets and two runs in about an eight-over phase. And they, from that moment, just they, you could just tell that they were going to struggle. But the moment, there was a couple of moments in the match, or the, the day, certainly the Travis Head mm-hmm. um, run out. There was the Cameron Green catch, oh, yes. another great catch in yeah. the gully where he reached up really uh, tall and jumped up and parried it down and caught it on the rebound. But also the last one, where we saw your man Shamar Joseph get hit on the toe from a a Yorker, a Sanchu crusher from Mitchell Stark. Now, it would have been out LBW probably. Um, It was given out. It went to review. Then we found out it was a no No ball. ball. So he wasn't going to be out regardless. But then we realised that he'd been hit right on the end of the big toe and had to retire hurt. So it had two issues there because half an hour of Shamar Joseph batting, we might have had that 300 lead. We saw what he did in Adelaide. But what happened is that he wasn't able to bowl. And I think not only was he not able to bowl, but I reckon it just sucked the jam out of the donut with the West Indian team because they realised that their energy giver, Mm. he wasn't there. Um, the, the vibrancy, he wasn't yeah. there. And as good as Alzari Joseph is with his pace, and he's almost the senior member of that team yeah. from a pace point of view, we yeah. know what Kim Roach can do. Shamar Joseph gives the energy. And when that wasn't there, I just felt that they didn't have the energy late in the day to have Australia four or five down. And I thought they lacked that energy with the bat as well. They like, did. They, they survived. Did. They, they put on partnerships. Greg Brathwaite, soft dismissal, like I said, punched into cover. Kirk McKenzie, you spoke about. He's batting really well. Nathan Lyon comes on, bowls first ball. Craig Athenaeus takes a single off him. Uh, and then McKenzie attempts a sweep shot. 
without picking the length, it was a bit too full for the sweep shot. Misses it. He's gone. How many LBW. sweep shots had he played before then? Uh, zero. Correct. And that's the point. Don't play it again. Exactly. Don't start with the. Don't uh, worry uh, about and at a time when he's uh, looked good while using his feet against Nathan Lyon. That's right. Hit him down the ground. You You've done so it. well. You've done it in three yeah. innings. Uh, but he preferred the sweep first up. Misses it. He's out. Uh, and then next up, Athenaeus was looking really good. Uh, and as Nathan Lyon just revealed, it was Steve Smith who said, toss it a bit wider, plays the drive, and the catch is taken. Uh, and, and don't forget, Athenaeus had also had got a reprieve, much like Craig Brathwaite, just before the tea break, uh, where West Indies had lost just one wicket at this point, or two wickets at this point in that session. Uh, Cam Green bowls, probably his best door in Test cricket for a long time, sets him up nicely outside edge, and Steve Smith dives in front of Usman Khwaja. Maybe, I, uh, and we both spoke to Carl Hooper about this, uh, yeah. and he said that that catch should have gone to Usman Khwaja at first slip. That doesn't happen. So Athenaeus had got the reprieve. But he still kept driving at these wide ones. So he gets out after his best score on tour. The 36 he makes, or 38 it was. Uh, and then the Hodge run out. But even then, Justin Greaves, I thought, batted well. Australia didn't get wicket in clusters till the very end, just before that break. So they get three wickets in that middle session. Uh, but the game hadn't slipped away from them, had it, Wadi? No, it hadn't. It hadn't. And I, and I think before we get to the Australian batting innings, because it was interesting, it, it could have been more interesting, um, had a few things gone differently. Uh, without, I'm not certainly an international batting coach, but I think one thing that the West Indies have got to do better at is that for me, their batting, which is very attractive to watch, mm. it's got to be more than just four or nothing. Yeah. It feels to me that if they get the ball, they try and hit it for four. If it doesn't go for four, it either goes straight to the field or it's just a, it's just a nothing. Um, I think that they put themselves under too much pressure because they're not rotating the strike a little bit more. There's nothing wrong than pushing it through the covers for two rather than trying to crush it for four and and it look an attractive shot, which they can play. Yeah. But to me, they put themselves under too much pressure because they aren't rotating the strike. They've got a good mix of left and right-handers. Mm. And I think to get... Um, get some better rhythm into the ga- into their game, I think by accumulating a little bit more rather than going four or nothing, I think that's... And again, that comes with experience yep. and playing more test cricket, I think, as well, or more red ball cricket, then that will start to come into their game and I think they'll improve quite considerably as a result of something like that. You know who I was disappointed with the most today in that West Indian camp was Joshua De Silva. I mean, uh, he played so well in the first innings, uh, really brought West Indies back in the game alongside Kavim Hodge. But in three out of four innings on this tour, as one of the senior members of the side, albeit yeah. he's played just 24 tests, or 20, he had played 24 when he came here, uh, that shot of Mitchell Stark, I mean, he'd got a couple of boundaries away, and you know how dangerous he is, wide outside of them, just before a break. And imagine what it would look like if it's Graves and Joshua De Silva walk out to bat after that dinner break, uh, but then just chases a wide one. Great catch from Cam Green, like you said. But those, those little things, right? Like when... It matters most. You need your Brathwaite. You need your Joshua De Silva to put their hand up and say, okay, we'll we'll play that crucial hand. And it doesn't have to be a 70 or an 80, but make 30, 40 and extend the target. That didn't happen. I think that broke the back of the West Indian batting. Yeah, it did. And and I think there's a, a very famous cricket coach here in Australia called Greg Shippard, who's coached a, had a lot of success in domestic cricket in Australia. And he often talks about owning the game around the breaks, mm, before and after yeah. breaks, even around drinks breaks, where you can pinch some overs or maybe pinch a wicket uh, when, when players perhaps aren't 
fully uh, focused on the task at hand. They're thinking about the break. And I think that's a classic example of that, that the West Indies needed to take some momentum into that tea break and they were unable to do that with that dismissal. And I agree with you, De Silva should be better than that because he has played a lot more test matches Mm. than a lot of others. But at the same point... 24 test matches <laughs> isn't a lot of test Tells matches. You everything you need to yeah, know about exactly this team, right. Exactly, yeah. And I really hope that the West Indies do get to play more test cricket because I think we are seeing that there are some bones, there are some mm. really good players that have taken it up to the Australians. They just need to be able to sustain it for longer and the only way that they're going to be able to get better is to play more. Well, they played six tests last year. They're going to play nine tests this year. That's they already not bad. Played. That's not bad. It's at least increasing. Uh, they played because I don't think it matters who it's against. No, I mean, and it, it's a good year for them because they play two in Australia, which is done now. It'll be done tomorrow, you'd think. They have three in England, and I think they have two in India later this year. So you know, you're playing the big three nations in that sense in the same year. So, or, or maybe I think they might even play South Africa at the end of that. So that's a big year for them. Hopefully, the score stays together, even though it's such a young core. Uh, and I. I'm sure we'll discuss about that tomorrow, Wadi. But um, after the break, the, that period you spoke about, seven overs, two wickets, three runs. There's another way, three wickets, two runs. Oh, three wickets, two runs. Absolutely more wickets than runs, you said. <laughs> and, and then when, once Shamar hobbled off, you were like, okay, 216 is not nothing, but they need to strike early. And that's when Steve Smith comes out. Um, and looks as good as not just as opener, but as good as he has with the bat uh, all summer. Yeah, he did. I think he had some help. I don't think they bowled particularly well to him. Um, he, they bowled a lot too short, and he was able to hook a few away. He played a couple of nice cover drives to, to over pitch deliveries, and then once he'd faced that 15, 20 balls, he was he was pretty much away. Um, Kimo Roach only bowled three overs in that first spell, which again surprised me, considering that he was the one that sparked them in the first innings, where he took three of the first four wickets in that uh, incredible half an hour uh, on day two. So um, that surprised me, particularly with Shamaj. Joseph uh, not being able to bowl. It meant that uh, Justin Graves had to bowl a lot more and um, a lot earlier than he would have thought. Um, he bowled a bit wide. And then when he actually straightened it up a little bit, he showed that he is a handful he because he gets the ball to seem both ways. So Cameron Green particularly struggled with him. Uh, we'll get to, to Green shortly. But yeah, Smith got away. Kawaja strangled down leg side like Travis had in the first thing. So that's always unlucky. Mm. But I think the big story, we, I guess we always thought it was Steve Smith because of his changing position from four to one. But Manus Labashain, I know you want to talk about Manus. This was really interesting because he came out with a slightly different approach. He was trying as hard as he could not to play at the ball outside off stump. There were a lot of really tight leaves. Then he was committed into playing a shot finally outside off stump, nicked it. Kevin Sinclair took a great catch at second slip and he's out again for five. Um, you, you can talk about how much his average has dropped. I know. But this was a year that I think we all thought that Manus Labashain was going to fill his boots because he's done it previously in Australian summers against weaker opposition. It hasn't happened, and this form drop has been quite considerable. Yeah, and especially after he got the pair of 60s uh, in Sydney, I really thought everything was back in order with his batting. Uh, and he would be the first one to tell you that in Perth and Melbourne, he was struggling with just the alignment of his body, how he was shaping up. I thought everything was going the right way uh, in Sydney. A- and with Manas, it's all you can always see it. When he kind of uh, gets over the line of the ball and 
flicks it through mid-wicket for four, and then from that same position drives it through the covers. You know everything's going well for him. But you could see that that first innings dismissal was playing yes, a huge was. role in how he was batting. He was kept leaving Alzari Joseph, like you said, Whitey, and one ball just shaved off stump, didn't it? It came back in. But it was at the other end. And I think... If anything, Justin Graves was an even more difficult bowler to face because he was all over the place. And just the ball before he got out, I remember calling this with you. Moti was out there on the boundary. Just a nothing ball on the pads. Manas just easily tucks it round, runs to... And Graves bowls the best ball he'd bowl in the spell, uh, which again was a little wider. Manas could have left it alone, but he kind of gets sucked into it. Uh, and you could see it. He just like slammed the bat on the pitch and he just stood there. So I did some number crunching this morning. He, he was averaging 51.42, uh, 51.41 when he walked out to bat today, which is the lowest he's averaged since the summer of Manas, the famous one, 2019 20, uh, when he really took, went from being the concussion substitute who started looking good in test cricket to being the number three that uh, uh, became a world class and grew to number one in the world and now after that cheap dismissal today his average is down to 50.82 it seems uh, improbable considering he was in the 60s for such a long time after the summer of Manus in 2019-20 now he's got two difficult test matches against New Zealand and then he has to wait all the way uh, for uh, India to come again so um, yeah so much focus on David Warner and Steve Smith during the summer but Manus not getting a score in even like 70 and plus uh, is, if not a concern, it's definitely a worry. Oh, I think it is a concern. There's two reasons why I think it's a concern. One is that it's not like opposition have found out a weakness where they go, oh, this is how you get Manus Labashain out that we haven't tried before. It's, it's quite sort of nondescript ways he's getting out to sort of nothing balls where he's nicking them. Um, so that's the first thing. And the second thing is, which I think would be not so much frustrating the Australian um, hierarchy, the, the coaches and the selection panel, but it's more, I think, something to, to ponder, is that because they have made the changes to the batting or the, the way they have with Smith going up to open and Cameron Green coming into four, so that's two changes to your top four. You need your number three to be in form scoring runs because it means then that if it does take a little while for things to settle with Green at four mm. and Steve Smith opening, at least you've got confidence that your number three is scoring bulk runs. And because he's not, it's putting more pressure on Cameron Green yep. coming in a bit earlier than he would probably like. And for Steve Smith, um, not that he necessarily feels pressure, but he kind of knows that, geez, you know, David Warner's not there to get us off to the fast start. Manus isn't scoring runs. Cameron Green new to four. Um, I'm starting to feel it a bit more than I would have to otherwise because of the change. So that's the thing that I think is the maybe the biggest concern for um, the selectors. I'm not suggesting that Manus needs to all. be dropped, yeah. but he needs to find form to make it easier for the ones around him considering the changes that have been made. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, without David Warner, they don't have the pace setter. So now Steve Smith has did set the pace nicely. What's two for 60? Largely because of how Steve Smith has played. Because Cam Green looked all at sea for long pa large parts of his innings, especially against Greaves and Kima Roach when he came back. He kept kind of fishing outside his off stump. Uh, there were a couple of edges. So uh, at least he survived. And, and, and it was the first time we saw Steve Smith and Cam Green back together in their newish positions now. Uh, so they have a lot of work to do still. Uh, 
think West Indies cannot think that they're out of it for 156 runs to get for Australia from this point. If they can strike in the first 10 or so minutes and get one or two wickets, and if they can get into the head marsh carry part of this batting lineup within the first half hour, you know what, with the weather around as well, I don't think they're completely out of this. I don't think they are either, but I felt that the West Indies didn't play like they were still yes. in it. I don't think they had the belief or I didn't think they had the verve about them to think, hey, we're only a wicket away from Ooh. maybe getting almost on top. So that's my only concern. The interesting thing with Cam Green for me is he's always a nervous starter. Yeah. Um, even in shield cricket, nervous starter, you're like, oh, I'm not sure he's on today. He plays hard at the ball. He feels for a little bit. But once he settles in, that's when you see the best of him. I really hope that that yes. happens tomorrow for, for Cameron because I have high hopes for him. I think he can be a number four. Nathan yeah. Lyons said uh, after play tonight that he feels that he can be the Jacques Callis. Oh, that was quite something. Yeah, yeah, the Jacques Callis of Australian cricket for a long time where Callis obviously batted it for... Um, was brilliant in the slip cordon as a catcher, which is what Green is in gully, but also, you know, could bowl 145 outswing um, and score all the runs he did, but averaging over 50 at number four. So we'll, we'll see. And yeah. I mean, he's obviously still really young in his career, but I think what it does show is even Nathan Lyon saying something like that is this is a long-term invest- investment. Yes. They're not going to give up on Cameron Green at yeah. four after, you know, even if there was three or four failures yeah. here, I think they will still pr- um, persist with him in that position. Perfect. So 156 to get for Australia tomorrow. That's where we will leave that and we will move on to the final word Hall of Fame. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Final word, Hall of Fame, brought to you by Seabus Super. Super. It's been a hard day. (laughs) And what Seabus Super do and have been doing for the last 40 years. And doing it very well. Oh, excellently well. That they've served over 900,000 people. People pre- and post-retirement with their super, and they continue to do a great job. We need to push them towards that one million number. Uh, you and I, Whitey, will be heading towards our retirement, not anytime <laughs> soon uh, for the sake of our families. But when we do, we know Siba Super will be out there to support us, sebasuper.com.au. That's where you'll find all your information. Remember, past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. So Hall of Fame. Uh, why don't you go uh, first, Whitey? Uh, or even before you go, this is... I don't know what to say about this, but Matthew Hayden in suspenders on a hot day, on that hot day for me, is my first Hall of Fame nomination. Uh, very unusual, but Matthew Hayden is <laughs> unusual. Matthew we love Hayden. him, but he's very unusual. And I think he owns oh. being very unusual well, as well. Like, I mean, I... I yeah, he's not as reserved and uh, normal as me. Well, this is true. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of nominations. Okay. Uh, one is the Slushies. Yes. Now, hot day, we've talked about this a fair bit, and we saw 
players coming off the field and disappearing for lengths of time, which I was upset about. Yes, we'll talk about that shortly. About it, yeah. But at one point, we saw Scott Boland come out with a tray of slushies in little plastic containers with silver spoons <laughs> so that the players could... With These are, these are big athletes with silver spoon teaspoons <laughs> scooping out their slushies and eating them like children would at a kid's birthday party. It was quite unusual, that's but that's what was happening. It was. And I just love the baby pink color of that drink. Appleberry. And Appleberry is what we found out. That beautiful shade of pink, Scott Boland just carrying in. But... <laughs> It had to be Scott Boland, right? Like, he's just oh the nicest gosh. man in the world. He's a bit and of a frustrated man at the moment. That is correct. I know I did see you catch up with him this morning. <laughs> While you were catching up with Scott Boland and I was catching up with Travis yeah, that's Head. Right. Like we, we were had just our being moments. very parochial, weren't we? Uh, but yeah, Scott Boland carried that tray out. You're right. But speaking of uh, our debate, and it got pretty heated. It did. Uh, we are two very mild mannered men. Oh, but yeah. on radio, on air, we were arguing about the fact that the players today, because of. There being extreme heat conditions, mark that mark that word extreme. They were given these allowances when they could go and uh, on and off the field, not for too long, but fixed amount of time, uh, and allowed to do a bunch of things which you are not happy with. No, so I'm going to put my parent voice on here. <laughs> what I, what I found very frustrating is that the Australian bowlers were bowling three hours, uh, three over spells. I'll say that again. The Australian bowlers were bowling <laughs> three over spells. Then coming off the field, a substitute fielder coming on, they were then going and changing their shirt, they were going and getting rehydrated, sitting in front of a fan, cooling down, then coming back on, fielding for a bit, and then bowling again, then coming off. And this happened a lot in the first, particularly the first 90 minutes to to two hours, so essentially the first session. Now, in my view, cricket is a summer sport, particularly here in Australia. It gets hot. Um, you're going to get hot. And for me, cricket is a game of attrition. So you should have to stay out there. You can't come off and have a bit of a rest and a break and a drink and a change of shirt, maybe even a shower, and then come back on. Part of test cricket is what happens over the course of the five days. You get hot, you get tired, you get sore, but you've got to get up again and go again and perform for your team. Now, we don't see a situation where the batsmen wearing the helmets and all the equipment that after half an hour of batting, they go, oh, look, I need a bit of a break now so I'm just going to go off and sit on a chair in the shade with an umbrella have a couple of drinks and we'll start play again in 20 minutes or I'll go back on again after the next guy goes out I have I, I'm really strong about this that cricket is a team of 11 not of 14 or 15 and if you're hot you wait for your drinks break or you get someone to bring out a drink and you can quickly drink it between overs but this coming off and having a rest I just don't think it's I'm not saying it's not in the spirit of the game but I'm always saying it is not in the spirit of the game. I feel that you should be staying out there and putting up with the heat. Spirit of the game versus playing conditions is where I stood. Uh, and I think it was, bec- uh, and we were there in the morning, it was extremely oh, hot. Incredibly hot. We Inc- almost melted. We did, we did. Both of us did. Like, even though I'm wearing loose pants that you can't <laughs> see, I was sweating through my loose pants, baggy pants. But. Uh, once it says extreme, any extreme weather condition, there are certain protocols that I think are in the playing conditions across all levels. And you know this as well at great cricket. Absolutely. If it goes beyond 40 but, degrees. But, 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 but 
they're playing test cricket. They're I understand they're playing athletes. professional athletes, but the playing conditions yeah. give the umpires the chance to have these allowances in place, uh, and then it's about their interpretation, right? Like, you know, what is extreme uh, weather? And, yeah. and I think that's what was happening today. Well, again, whether it's right or wrong, and I completely agree with you. Especially there were times when even Nathan Lyon was going off, and I remember Ian Smith on commentary saying, uh, uh, "Why should a spinner be allowed to do that?" Like, I understand big fast bowlers doing that, and it it wasn't like every time someone bowled. No. They were going over. That's not what we're saying. It yet. felt like there was a bit of a rotation happening yeah. there at one point early. Yeah, but we did hear that nobody took a shower and nobody got into an ice bath. Uh, didn't want to shock the system, so that didn't happen. Nobody yeah. took a shower. No, no, no. But but I think, and I'm not suggesting the Australians have done anything wrong because mm. it's up to the umpires yeah, or the match referee umpires, to yeah. determine what's going on. So if they see that as a a way of having an advantage, then good luck to them, I guess. Um, but I just feel it's not the way cricket should be played. Cricket is a game of 11 versus 11. Um, you have, what is it, nine fielders, a bowler and a wicketkeeper. If someone comes on, if someone is injured or someone is not feeling well, not if someone is hot and needs a drink or needs a sit down. That's not the way I... Uh, I'm sounding like a really old man here and I'm actually sounding like my own dad, but um, you don't go off because you're tired. You don't go off because you're hot. Um, that's part of the game. And what happens is that, you you know, and this is where I, I, I have great admiration for the batsmen that sometimes are out there fielding for, for two days or nearly nearly two days and they have to go out and open the batting having been out on their feet for, you know, for 11, 12 hours and then have to bat and then might have to bat for two days. And we've seen Usman Khawaja participating virtually the whole match for five days yeah. at times. To me, that is test cricket. And that, I guess that... That makes you a cricketer. That make that gives you a reputation as someone that can do it when it's tough. And we always go back to Dean Jones back at in uh, Madras, and I understand that. But to me, I, I thought it was taking the Mickey a little bit. The headline: Adam White thinks current day cricketers are soft. <laughs> Discuss. Leave us your comments <laughs> below, right there. Yeah, and, and uh, let us know because on radio, the comments, uh, the radio station just blew up. Not the radio station, but the text lines did blow up. I'm sure the text line will blow up here as well. Like I said in the comment section. Uh, I don't think they're soft, he does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just before we go, I also thought it was quite something that uh, someone playing his second test, Shama Joseph, his absence was felt to such an extent, the whole energy was done. No doubt, no like, doubt. Yeah, even though they have 216 to defend, it looked like such a flat team and they still managed to get two wickets. So who knows, we, Shama Joseph has gone for scans. Uh, really unlikely that we'll see him on the field tomorrow. Uh, so let's let's wait and see. Let's, I mean, hopefully, who knows? Maybe he'll run in with one leg uh, and just one shoe on and bowl West Indies to victory. That'll be quite something. But West Indies are not out of this. But I think we are done. Uh, we've gone on for quite a while my, today. My last comment is, and I've got my fingers crossed and my toes crossed, this rain that's forecast oh, tomorrow, yes, storms yeah, the are forecast tomorrow, that they don't come. Um, or if they come, they go really quickly because we know that this place drains really well. There yes. is a lot of rain expected over the next couple of days. Not long periods of rain, but yes. thunderstorms. Um, because we're going to need about three hours of cricket for Australia oh, yeah. to either win or for the West Indies to win. That's we don't want to be hanging around for two days, not sure whether we can you know, get on or mm. get back on. So hopefully the weather is kind to us. 
hopefully it is. Uh, what we do know is we will be here tomorrow because we will see day four. Uh, and from what us, the locals I spoke to, they feel like the rain will come later in the day. So hopefully the games progress by then. Whichever way, whichever direction it has progressed in, uh, we'll see. But this was the final word daily. Australia West Indies day three. We'll be back for day four. Let's go and get an Appleberry slushy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Baby pink. Love it. <laughs> see you tomorrow. See you later. Sorry if I ran out to empty, wrote this so you know what I meant here. I had to go about it.